Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. Worship team a hand. Whew. Well done, man. All right, my name is Justin Metz. Um, I'm a covenant member here at Heights Community. I'm also going through the HC Institute or Heights Community Institute, which is how we disciple here, um, growing into leadership. I'm also a part of the Cherry Hills Missional Community Group. Um, I think a big group of that gathering is uh, at someone's home today. And uh, I also serve in Heights Kids in the uh, fives and ups, you'll probably recognize my face or my dinosaur mask in that room. Um, And today I get the privilege of reading God's word. So here we are in Joshua 20, verses one through nine. So then the Lord said to Joshua, say to the people of Israel, appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there, They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place, and he shall remain with them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in the city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment until the death of him who was high priest at the time. Then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home to the town from which he fled. So they set apart Kadesh and Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali and Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. And beyond the Jordan, east of Jericho, they appointed Bezer in the wilderness on the tableland from the tribe of Reuben and Ramoth and Gilead, from the tribe of Gad and Galen and Bashan, from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities designated for all the people of Israel and for the stranger sojourning among them, that anyone who killed a person without intent could flee there, so that he might not die by the hand of the avenger of blood till he stood before the congregation. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Justin. Hi, guys. My name's David. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I get the privilege of bringing God's word to you today from Joshua 20. And as Justin just mentioned, we have people from the Cherry Hills uh, MC and I think the Portland MC that are gathering here today because both services were completely full on our RSVP. And people still want to gather to worship together, to sing together, and then to hear God's word. So for those of you watching at those missional communities and for those of you just watching on Facebook Live, we're glad that you're with us. And this is this is it. We're getting towards the end of Joshua. We started this new series, Lest We Turn, back in January at the crack of the new year. And the whole theme of this is if we don't 
turn to God, things start to go bad for us. And we're going to see that here in just a few weeks when we get into the book of Judges. It's going to get pretty nasty. But what we've seen so far is that they've been conquering the land as God has called them to do. And now they're at the end and they're kind of needing to, to button some things up and just to kind of bring everything together as Joshua has been commanded to do because Moses was commanded to do it. And now they're just being obedient and doing what they've been told to do by God. But it's interesting text. Like I, we haven't been preaching text by text through Joshua. We have the reading plan each week. If you've been following along with us and then Corey or I will pick a text from what you guys read throughout the week. And so I started reading through like the chapters that I had. It was 18 through 20 and I could have preached to you about more allotment of land, which I was like, no, I'm not, I can't. I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's, I'm, we're over allotting lands. And then I got to this text. It was one chapter, nine verses, and it sounded like a Marvel movie more than it sounded like uh, the Bible. You got a manslayer, you got refuge cities, and then you have the avenger of blood. I'm just letting you all know. Up until about I was 16, I was convinced I was going to be a professional wrestler. I was only like a buck 30, okay? I was too small back then to do anything in the wrestling world. But if I would have been and I would have read that, my name would have been the Avenger of Blood. There's no doubt about it because that is a really cool name. I mean, you just come out to that and like announce it, the Avenger of Blood from Collinsville, Illinois. I'm going to be champ. It's just the way it goes, okay? So this sounds like a Marvel movie, but it's not. It's biblical history. And I, we meet every Wednesday to try to discuss, like, the text and, and worship. And, and I was looking at this, and I was excited to preach it, but I was like, I don't know, like, how to break this down into points. And, and, and Pastor Corey said, just stick with the theme from last week of just three main things. What does the text say? Why do I need to know this? Or why do we need to know this? And how does this point to Jesus? And so that's what we're going to answer today. We're going to answer those questions for this text. And to get a better idea of the whole thing, we're going to go back to Numbers chapter 35 later. And we're going to look at that. And we're going to see how God lays all the details out for these refuge cities and what their purpose was and what they were there to fulfill for God's plan. But if I'm honest... My brain did not go to this. It goes to Marvel movies, but it also went to John Wick. And here's why, okay? This is why my brain went to John Wick. If you've ever watched John Wick, you know that if he got to the Continental Hotel, the dude was safe. Okay, so I'll give you just a real quick, and we're going to talk more about John Wick in this sermon. So if you haven't watched John Wick, here's the deal. I'm a pastor. I probably shouldn't recommend you watching John Wick. Then if you watch it, that's on you, okay? Like, I don't know. I'm just telling you I watched it, and I'm a sinner, so that's just the way it is. But also, it's, it's not that great of a movie. I remember watching one of them, and for like 30 minutes, I was sitting there watching. It's like all this action and intensity, you know, just intense, and people are dying, and I was like... I don't think anyone's talked in like the past 30 minutes. Like it's just like a bunch of grunting and hitting noises and that was it. So like I'm not recommending it because it's probably not that great of a movie and it's not that great of a movie. But here's what my brain went to. It's because that Continental Hotel, as John Wick is an assassin, if he got to that hotel, he was safe. You couldn't be killed. And that's what these refuge cities were. They were a spot for this manslayer to go so that he'd be safe from the avenger of blood. And we're going to break down what all that means because it is super confusing. But that's what these are. It's a, it's a place of refuge, of safety, of mercy, really of grace. And so this is our first question. What does the text say? Here's what I want you to see is they're being obedient. These 
Israelites are being obedient to the commands of God. That's the first thing that we need to understand here in this is that they're not just doing this because they wanted a safe place to go in case someone accidentally got killed. They wanted to be obedient to God. And so the Lord said to Joshua, we see there in in verse 1, the people of Israel appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses. So this is not a new command. This is not a new thing. He is only doing what God had already commanded them to do. And so just think, they've done so much. They've conquered so much land over the past 40 some odd years now. And yet now that's like, okay, we got to finish up these little details. We we haven't appointed the city's refuge yet. We need to do this. And so just this idea of being obedient needs to really resonate with us because sometimes we can do so much as a church and then we start to miss out on the little details of what God has called us to do. I think of even going back to last week, if you were here last week, we spent some time, we, we skipped a song, and we spent time in prayer. And that seems minor, but I want you to think, what does Jesus say about his father's house? It'd be a house of prayer. Number one says it's going to be a house of preaching. He doesn't say it's going to be a house of singing. So it's going to be a house of prayer. And so, so often we miss little details like that and we just, we're doing great things. They were doing great things, but we can't miss the little details of what God's called us to do. And so let's go to Numbers. Let's look at this together. I think it'll be on the screen for you guys to see. It's Numbers, if you have a Bible, it's number, Numbers 35, verses 6 through 34. It's just going to really give a greater detail. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says here, it says that the cities that you give to the Levites, there shall be six cities of refuge for the manslayer to flee to. Okay, so he's starting to lay all this out. There's 42 other cities, and, and there's going to be all this stuff for the Levites that they're going to talk about. And here, so it says in verse 11, when you select the cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer who kills any person without intent may flee there. So this is not someone who's a murderer. This is someone who has accidentally killed someone, not with malicious intent an accidental intent. And it's so they have refuge, as you see there in verse 12, from the avenger. Not the avengers, the avenger, okay? And so they're there, they're going. It says in in verse 15 that anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. You don't have to flee there, but you're putting yourself in harm's way if you don't, okay? If you were found and you had not gotten to the, the city of refuge, whether you intentionally killed someone or did not intentionally kill someone, you could be murdered or killed by the avenger of blood. But if he struck him down with an iron object, so this is getting into some details here, so that he died, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. And it keeps going through some different ways of how if they did it this way, they're a murderer. If they didn't do it this way, then they're not a murderer. And if the avenger of blood, it says there in verse 21, the avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. So if you've killed someone and you're out wandering around thinking you're in the good, no one knows, and this avenger of blood comes along and he sees you, he's taking your life. You're done. It's just, that was God's way. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. And so as we keep going through, you can just see the details there, like in in verses 22 through um, 25, it talks about how the congregation shall rescue the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood. And so when they would get to the city, they would need to get to this gate, and then the congregation would protect them. 
They were protected because they were there. I mean, this doesn't take away that the avenger of blood is angry at the loss of a family member, but they were there. The congregation would protect them and give them comfort. Think of the church. We are sinners. We're all sinners looking for refuge and comfort. And when we come together as community, that's why we're not just have individuals sitting at home by themselves watching this today, but they're together in the comfort and the refuge of community, of the congregation. And so it's so important that we see that in the details here, that there's a purpose of people being together in a community, that the congregation shall rescue the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood. And then he would stay in that city. If he was really found to have accidentally killed someone, it says here that they would stay in that city of refuge to which he had fled until the death of the high priest, which is so important for us to see. Remember that. Keep it back there in in a special place in your head where you keep details like that because we're going to need to know it later. But if the manslayer, says in verse 26, shall at any time go beyond the boundaries of his city of refuge to which he fled, the avenger of blood finds him outside the boundaries of this city, the avenger blood can kill the manslayer and not be guilty of his blood. And they couldn't accept any refuge, it says down in verse 32, or any ransom for that person. If, that, if they took that person in, they said they were not guilty of intentional murder. There was no ransom. There was no way of the avenger blood coming in and making an offering to get them. That was it. So, when we look at this, it gives us a great detail why they're doing this in Joshua 20. And I'm hoping that you're tracking with me. We're going to break this down some more. And if you're, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you know, you can go back and you read Numbers 35 in more detail. And you can see that. You guys here, you can read that. But we need to understand that this is so important for us. And who are these people then? Okay, so we can put up who the manslayer is here on the screen. I want you guys to see that. We're going to have some definitions for you just so you can see the manslayer and the avenger of blood, if we have those. So the manslayer, he's one of, who's guilty of involuntary manslaughter or who's accidentally caused someone else's death. So think if you were to, to leave here later and you were to accidentally hit someone with your car, you've not murdered someone. You're, it's like manslaughter. It's an accident. You didn't intentionally do it. But then I want you to know who the kinsman redeemer is because later in this series of Lest We Turn, we're going to get to a book of Ruth and the kinsman redeemer is going to be a very important thing and it very much applies here. The kinsman redeemer was the relative who restores or preserves the full community rights of a disadvantaged family member. So in the story of Ruth, Boaz is the kinsman redeemer and he redeems Ruth and marries her. But in this case, the kinsman redeemer is also the avenger of blood. He is the next in line in the bloodline. And so when we look at the avenger of blood definition for you, what you see is that he, the kinsman redeemer, is the avenger of blood. He is a person who performed the duty of pursuing and ultimately executing the murder of a near kinsman. Such a redeemer was expected to act in instances of deliberate murder, but not accidental manslaughter. How are you to know? Well, that's why the refuge cities were there. So can we put the avenger of blood definition up there for them? The cease of, that, that's who they were. That's their job. That was their family duty. So if you were like maybe the eldest son and, and your brother or sister, someone was, or cousin was murdered, then you were to go now as the kinsman redeemer and find that person and kill them unless they were at the city of refuge And we'll put the definition of the city of refuge up for you to see. 
It was a city that was designated as a refuge for people who had killed others by accident in these towns. So this is, think of this as almost like, I, my brain's so weird, and I think of crazy things when I was writing. I, I thought of like a like tag. You tag someone, you make it to base, you're safe. They can't tag you, you're safe. That's what this was. It was a place to be safe. And so if you accidentally killed someone, you had time, hopefully, to get to the city, to be protected, and it mattered. God did not just design this for just whimsical reasons. He wanted a reason for this. He wanted to show things to them and make them understand mercy and justice. This is so important for us to understand. And so this is why do we need to know this then? Why do we need to know this? Like When we've got to about chapter 13, I think, in Joshua, like it's just been allotment of land after allotment of land, appointing cities, giving inheritance to different tribes. And why? Why do we need to know this? Well, here's why I think we need to know this. Because we all want justice and we all want mercy. There's not a one of us sitting in this room that doesn't want justice until we're the ones that deserve justice. I would be willing to bet not one of you drove at or below the speed limit here. There's a cop in the room too. He will give you a ticket straight up. Not really. He probably wouldn't. He never listens to me about my ideas that he should do as a cop. Because if he did, we'd be tasing everybody. But here's the deal. We want justice for everybody else. You're going 47 in a 45 and the dude just flying by you out here on 159 going 60, you're like, man, he should get a ticket. Well, so should you. you you're sinning. You're breaking the law. We want to see justice administered all the time until it comes to us and you're getting pulled over and you're sitting there thinking, man, I hope this cop shows me mercy. For some reason, my wife never gets a ticket. She just starts crying and not a ticket. I remember when we were moving back to Collinsville. And we were back and forth, back and forth, trying to find a house. We could not find a house to buy. And we, she, we were just frustrated. And we we're trying to get home. And she was speeding through a construction zone and got pulled over. I was like, I was so ticked. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is going to be so expensive right now. Nope, no ticket. Just don't do it again, ma'am. It'll be okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's the one that's speeding. I, I like, it was going to be out of my pocketbook. Our money's together. It's not like her money, my money. It's like, this is going to cost us money. But I wanted justice in that moment. I was like, she deserves a ticket. <laughs> I, I would have wanted mercy, but I know I wasn't going to get it. I, you would have done, probably took me to jail. <laughs> we want justice. We want mercy. But here's the problem. Justice doesn't suffice. You can get justice. Someone could have done you wrong. You're going to get even. But it doesn't suffice. It doesn't make things better. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away that. So when the avenger of blood would go and to avenge the blood of a lost loved one to the manslayer, to a murderer, it doesn't bring them back. They're still gone. They're still dead. That's the problem when we tag anything in front of the gospel. When we have a social justice gospel, what happens is that it fails. And it fails because you can't really get justice. There's no answer to all the sins in this world outside of just the gospel. 
We wonder why there's all these problems. Well, why is there this and why is there this? The answer is simply the gospel. We want to see hunger eradicated and people starving to death. It's the gospel because if you have things and you give to those who are in need, we want to see racism taken care of. It's not about another movement. It's about the gospel because if you are truly saved by the gospel, then you're not going to be a racist bigot. This is, this is the way it works. The gospel is the answer to every problem. And the beauty of that is that it's grace and mercy coupled with justice so perfectly. That's why we need to need, know this. That's why we need to know this. Because when you root yourself just in justice, which is good, which is right, you should want justice. You should want to see justice administered. But here's the problem. When you're rooted only in justice and not in Jesus, here's what happens. You have hate. You have anger, despair, you're moralistic, you're all about doing what's right, but you're not doing it for the right reasons. You're judgmental, you're not content with anything in life because you're never going to see perfect justice administered until Jesus returns. You're going to be so you're self-righteous, you're never going to have peace. You're always going to be anxious about something and, and not comfortable with the way the world is because the world is messed up if you haven't noticed and so you're never going to be settled. You're always going to be just wondering, like, what, do I going to, what am I going to do? There's never justice. That's why we like movies like The Avengers and Batman and John Wick. I mean, here's the deal. This is, I'm going to go back to John Wick. I told you I would. This is insane. The guy's an assassin. He's been killing people for years, okay, and getting paid, like, big money for it. Like, in the movie, it's all make-believe, I know, okay? I'm not, I don't think it's real. But, like, he's in this huge house. He's retired. Like, everything's just cool now. He's just, like, you know, he retired from being an accountant, like, just chilling with his wife. This big, fancy house, nice cars, beautiful wife. She gets sick. And if you haven't seen the movie, I'm sorry, I'm spoiling it. I don't know. Get over it, okay? So... She is sick. She's going to die. She knows she's going to die. So what she does is she gets it scheduled that he will get a puppy delivered to his house after she died to help him cope with losing his wife. Like, that's pretty thoughtful. You know, she's dying. Hey, let me hook him up with a dog. I don't know what kind of dog it was. I don't remember. Beagle. Beagle? There you go. See? I'm not the only sinner in the room to watch John Wick. That's good. If you watch it on, if maybe someone put it in the comments. Beagle, you all knew too. That's good. So here's the deal. John Wick is loaded. He's depressed. His wife's dead. He's got the beagle. And then this mob boss's son sees him driving his fancy car, gets his buddies together. They don't even, I don't even think they realize it's John Wick, okay? Like, you don't mess with John Wick. That's a bad move. They'll learn that in, in a minute. So they go to steal his car. That doesn't go well, but they, they get the car. They, they kill the dog. But they don't kill John Wick. Bad move, okay? Like, John Wick is furious. He's done lost his wife. Yeah, it was Beagle's dead. Did anyone know the name of the Beagle? Are you for real? Who? Dang, you guys are like movie savants in this room. So he's, Daisy's dead, guys. Daisy's dead. And here's, here's what happens. John Wick goes on killing people. For an hour and a half, they don't say anything at all. It's just, uh, 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 uh. that's all you hear for like an hour. John Wick doesn't talk. No, like just people were mad, like go kill him. That's all they're saying. Here's the deal. He just wanted justice. It wasn't bringing Daisy back and it wasn't bringing his wife back. None of it was going to matter. None of it was going to matter. But here's the deal. 
Where was the justice when he's out killing people for money? And it's just like us. We want justice. We look at people who are sinners in this world and like, God, where are you? Why aren't you dealing with them? Why is their life going so well? My life is a wreck and I'm trying to be obedient. I'm trying to follow you. We want justice, but yet what we want for ourselves is mercy. See, God is a God of justice and we're created in his image. So it's natural that we're gonna want justice, but it should be natural that we show mercy as well then. That's why he had these cities of refuge. He knew that people were going to accidentally die. Stuff happens. Someone dies. It doesn't mean that automatically you just get to go off and kill them. And so God's like, no, there's got to be a place to go. This is why we need to know this because he is a God of mercy. And so we have to learn to show mercy as well. And that's why these cities have been established. If those cities weren't established, if someone accidentally killed someone, it was just on. Because that was the rule. That was the law. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. Now, it's not that way anymore. We live in a new covenant. Jesus is taking care of all this. So understanding this, though, is paramount in that we see how justice and mercy coexist in a healthy way. You have to understand that. And so... To ask you this question, I think, helps you get your mind around it, is, is there enough justice to satisfy your wrath? Is there enough justice to satisfy your wrath? You look at all the things going on in this world, all the bad stuff that happens, do you think there's enough justice to satisfy the wrath that you want to pour out on people? Because Jesus... He took everything to satisfy God's wrath. He took it all. That was enough. His life for our life. His death in place of our death to satisfy God's wrath. So this ultimate act of mercy also met the ultimate need for justice. That's why we need to know this. See, God, Jesus was willing to be the just, dying for the unjust. And that was enough. So this matters for us to understand. We can't just glance over stuff like this in the Bible. I mean, I think it would have been easy for Joshua to just glance over this. Like, oh yeah, remember that one time when God told Moses that we were supposed to point these refuge cities and just glance, and he's like, yeah, man, if you just kill someone, just make sure you explain it to the avenger of blood so he doesn't, you know, cut your head off. Like, it'll be okay. We don't really need to appoint these cities because it's just extra work. But no, he was obedient. And we can't just glance over this now and think it doesn't matter because it does matter because it points us to Jesus. It points us to the cross of Jesus. So the last question we'll hit is how does it point to Jesus? Well, like I said, The cross of Jesus is the perfect place of justice and mercy. They meet together. They are married together there in a perfect picture like no other. There's no other thing and there's no other incident in this world and all of history that shows us mercy and justice played out the way that it has at the cross. We see justice because Jesus fulfills God's need for justice by dying in our place, like I've already said. It's the greatest act of mercy we've ever seen. None of us 
No one watching online, no one sitting in this room deserved for God to step down from heaven to take on flesh and to die in our place. And remember, it's not just the physical beating and the, and the being nailed to a cross that he took our place. It was the separation from God that he had to feel. He took on all of our sin so that we wouldn't have to know that sin in eternity that we'd be forgiven for if we've given our life to Christ, if we've surrendered to him. See, we're all like the manslayer at best, but really we're much worse. We're the murderer. I mean, Jesus tells us, like, the Bible says not to murder, but yet, like, if you've been so angry at someone to murder them, you are a murderer. You don't have to go commit adultery to have committed adultery. If you've had lustful thoughts towards someone, you're an adulterer. We're all liars, We're all self-righteous. We're all conceited. We're all about ourselves. Every one of us is a sinner in need of mercy. Because if God's justice was to fall on us, you would have no idea what to do. It should terrify you. It should literally terrify you, the idea of God's justice being poured out on you fully. And so when you go next time, you think justice needs to be administered now. Like justice needs to happen. You need to stop and think. What if that happened? What if God's going to pour out his justice on me right this second? Now, listen, I'm not saying for one minute that we shouldn't care about seeing justice administered when millions of babies are being aborted or when you see kids or anyone being human trafficked or or racism taking place. I'm not saying that we shouldn't want justice administered, but when it comes to something small and you're like wanting the hammer dropped on someone because they rubbed you the wrong way, you need to calm down. And just understand that God loves you. And he showed you mercy. He gave you a city of refuge. It's the cross. But how often do we think that we don't need the city of refuge? I wonder, in my mind, was there someone who accidentally killed someone who didn't go to the city? Like, they're like, oh, man, I, didn't, I can't believe that happened. My donkey accidentally kicked that dude, and now he's dead, and I need to get to the city of refuge. But I'm going to go back home first. I'm going to eat dinner, and I'm going to get a few things because i got to go to the city, and if they, if they agree with me, I have to stay living in the city. So if you went to the city of refuge and you were found that it was an accident, you stayed living there until the high priest died. Okay, so you're there. So I, would you just like, oh, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take my time and see if I get there. That's how we are sometimes with Jesus. We just take our time. I'll get around to it. I'm going to clean my life up in about a year after I'm done partying. I'm going to clean my life up. You know, once I get married, I can stop sleeping around. Well, yeah, no duh. You're going to not be sleeping around once you're married. Like, we don't, that's what we act like. We can just get to the city of refuge on our time. Well, guess what? You don't know if you got tomorrow promised, and if tomorrow ain't promised, and you ain't made it to the refuge of the cross, you're going to meet justice face to face, and it's going to be rough, real rough. So do we just take our time and act like, I don't need Jesus. I'll get to him eventually. I'll get around to that when it fits my narrative. But what's interesting is that Jesus, he's the man slayed, and you and I are the murderer. He's the one that's been slayed, and the avenger of blood, that's Jesus because he's the judge. In Revelation, you can go and you can read it. He's the judge. He's going to be one who's going to judge and decide whether or not you truly knew him or you were just faking it. 
And so if you're faking it, if you're watching online, and this is like the first time maybe you've even heard anything like this, you need to run to the foot of the cross for real refuge, for real mercy, and know that justice was poured out so that you didn't have to face it because Jesus faced it for you. You need to run to the cross. We all want mercy. We all want justice, but we can only get it through Jesus. So here's the thing. We are just like the manslayer. We get to that mercy and we get to the, the refuge of the cross. And we have to wait, right? We have to wait. We're like waiting, like what, what happens now? Well, it's already happened. See, the, the manslayer had to wait for the high priest to die. I don't know like all the details. Like we were, we talked about this in my missional community on Thursday night. Like, like did each city have their own high priest? Because if so, I would have fled to the city with the oldest high priest because then they're going to die sooner. But ultimately, here's the thing. Jesus is the high priest. He's already died and risen. That's the idea here. That's, just, that's why it's all pointing to Jesus is because Jesus is the high priest who's died in our place. And so do you see that today? Do you believe it? That Jesus has done this for you. He's provided a place of refuge, a place of mercy, where justice is still perfectly fulfilled. If you don't believe it, then I would love to talk to you more about it because you need to like really take this in and comprehend it because this is it. This is everything. Do you see Jesus as a place of refuge? If you're here as a believer or watching online and you're a believer, do you run to Jesus for refuge from this world or do you just turn to your own devices? Because so often we know Jesus, we have a legit relationship with him, but we don't turn to him for mercy. We don't turn to him for refuge when everything's coming crashing down upon us. We take it upon ourselves. We turn to ourselves. You need to see Jesus as the one who will take your burden from you. He's not a dictator. He's not a just maker of rules. He's the one who wants to love you. He says that his burden is easy. His yoke is light. He will bring you in. He will have you comforted in his refuge. That's why we need to know this. And so I want to leave you with this. If you don't seek refuge in Jesus... You're going to be separated from everything. You think about that manslayer. Let's say he got there and the high priest doesn't die for 30 years and the manslayer is still alive. He hasn't been back to his home. Maybe he hasn't seen his kids. He hasn't seen his wife. He hasn't worked his job. Who knows what life looked like in the city of refuge. 30 years separated from everything he knew and loved because of an accident. But then the high priest dies, he gets to go back. If you die and you've never sought refuge at the foot of the cross, you will be separated from everything good. Your loved ones, anything that you thought was nice, anything that you enjoyed in this life, done, separated. Because God is the giver of all good gifts. And he will not be showing his grace when people are in hell. But Jesus has died so that you can have mercy. So I want to urge you to run with everything you have to the feet of the cross, just like that manslayer would have run to that refuge city and fall at it. Whether you're here and you're a believer, you're a skeptic, or you straight up just don't believe any of this, 
I urge you just to run. With everything you have, just run right to Jesus and find mercy in him. He's all that we need. Let's pray. God, we can go to texts like this and naturally I think we just glance over them and like, oh, that's a cool story. But God, it's so much more than a story. It's your perfect justice. It's your perfect mercy. It's you pointing to your son, Jesus Christ, as the one who would provide us with mercy when we deserve justice. God, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you and has never found that refuge in your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that you will move in their life, that you will save them, that you will show them the, the goodness of what you've done. And God, for those of us who have given our life to Christ, Lord, I pray that we all the more seek refuge in Jesus, that we don't just, oh yeah, and just move on with our life, that we just run right to that cross and we just beg of you, God, to show us mercy, to show us refuge from this world. Lord, we love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.